Hey guys, super quick here. Before we dive into today's video, I just want to let you know about our Clips catalog, which is absolutely free. It's in the description. There is a link to the Google spreadsheet where we have our most recent take on any single player. I haven't seen this anywhere. So for you guys who are subscribed, you might not know about this or anyone who is new here, please, I absolutely advise you to go check it out. It's a really good resource. You can see right here, you clip on it, over 200 and 30 players at the moment over 500 clips you come in you want to look up any name maybe Dak Prescott Jalen Waddle maybe some more topical things Alexander Madison DeAndre Hopkins are hot names remember you want to go deep like AT pair Clinton tune whatever you want we have it here you'll click right on the hyperlink it'll bring you right to our most recent video on the player now let's get into today's video Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. My name is Nate at NathanGN on Twitter. Today, I'm going to be talking about how we carry value on dynasty rosters and what to do with that stacked team you have. Before we get into that, I got to roll that intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I like I'm I'm in for death taxes and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. N no player is completely untouchable. These you guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. So the first thing that we got to get into here is viewing our rosters not so much as a lineup to be perfected, or you know. Um, delving into my wide receiver depth and developing the perfect room that's going to carry me through the season, but rather viewing our dynasty squads as a summation of value, essentially. So if you have followed along with any of the content I've been putting out this offseason, you know that I've also put out my dynasty ranks that are available in the JWB Patreon to Patreon subscribers. And in those ranks, I kind of equate all players to a certain number of firsts and seconds, uh, future firsts, future seconds, and kind of give their uh, equivalent dynasty value in my eyes that way. And so that's just a way that I tier players and kind of present them and assign them a sort of value on my roster. So what we're trying to do in Dynasty pretty much at all times and the way that I view my Dynasty rosters is I'm trying to build the most value on my roster at any time. And what higher value does for you is you can always buy production with high value. So building the value is really, especially in the off season, right, what we should be looking to do because the value is what's going to translate into the season and allow us to buy the production that we need and to bring home those championships that we're looking for. So really de-emphasize building a starting lineup. A lot of people, um, when they're building their dynasty roster, when they're doing their startup, they're looking at that lineup and thinking, oh man, my wide receiver three slot in this league is looking pretty thin. I got to go out and I got to acquire a wide receiver three to fill that slot so that my starting lineup, when I look at the team and sleeper, it makes me feel good. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're trying to do, especially not in the off season. We're trying to build value uh, by making good trades, good astute trades. And we're trying to also avoid losing value on our teams. The way I like to think about it is this. We get more information in the first two weeks of the NFL season than we do all off season. The first two weeks of the NFL season will drastically change player values. They may not change on people's boards, on their dynasty rankings that they publish, but 
after two weeks, people, their perceptions of players will absolutely change and the deals that you could have gotten done before will not be in place anymore. Other people, if, if the rookie wide receiver has a show out game in the first two weeks, then they're absolutely going to be almost untouchable, right? They're going to be the next Jamar Chase. Nobody will ever think of trading them away. So with that knowledge, what we should be trying to do in the offseason is more so a a floor play of safeguarding the value that we have on our rosters. We want to avoid destruction of value. That should be pretty much our primary aim. And how do we do this? We do this by trading to place more of the team's overall value in the safest assets possible. So obviously, before the start of the season, you have to have a team that can actually... Um, fill out all the positions you can't just trade everything into picks and and expect to have a team that'll actually uh, compete or give you some idea of where you stand in the league but what we can do is we can try to uh, manipulate our rosters manipulate the players on our teams in a manner that we have the safest roster construction going into the season possible we avoid the destruction of value while simultaneously giving ourselves the opportunity for that value to increase. And then once we get into the season, once we have those first few weeks of data, now we have a much better idea of what we want to do with the team, of you know if there are sell highs on our team that we can move off of early in the season, plenty of things like this. We can really kind of make a much more informed decision about what to do with the team after a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks should not make or break your season. It shouldn't make you think that, um, you know, your original assessment of the team was totally out to lunch. But it can definitely give you a lot of information and a really good leverage point in which to kind of flip the script, make astute trades, gain a lot of value in those first two weeks. And... What you can do if you're carrying assets that are really uh, susceptible to value changes is you can also experience the opposite effect where you lose a lot of value because, uh, you know, your older running back doesn't produce for the first two weeks and now he's just worthless in the market or he sees a lower snap share than you're anticipating. You're anticipating that he would have some massive workload uh, and suddenly he doesn't have that workload in the first two weeks for whatever reason. And now that asset is just completely tanked in everyone's eyes. And he's basically unmovable at that point. So that's what we're trying to avoid. And where this really comes into play the most in my eyes is when we have a really good team, a really t uh, solid team, lots of value. You've got a great starting lineup. You've got tons on the bench. You know, you've got this team that you think... Absolutely, if I look across the league, this team is one of the top two teams in the league by a large margin, and I think that this team should contend for the title this year. So what do we do with that team? How do we safeguard the value that's clearly on that team? The team looks like a contender right now. How do we make sure that we kind of shepherd that team to the finish line, as it were, in this league? Because really, when you stop to think about it, uh, what good to your roster are, is having these eight really solid wide receivers? Maybe you have eight wide receivers on your team. Uh, you know, let's take the example of like a start three wide receiver with two flex league. Pretty common format. So you can start a maximum of five wide, five wide receivers every week. Having eight really solid wide receivers, like I would say wide receivers that you expect to be a wide receiver three or better in fantasy performance at the end of the season in fantasy points per game, 
what good is eight of those going to do to your roster, especially in September? There's no bye weeks yet. You're just playing your top five every week. You're probably playing the same five for the first few weeks uh, until you have a better idea of you know usage and uh, if someone's breaking out or someone's fading. So you're probably playing the same five for the first number of weeks of the season. And those other three guys are literally rotting on your bench and potentially losing value, uh, especially if they're the guys you're not playing, right? Then they could be the guys that, uh, you know, things aren't going their way. And maybe they even have a bunch of targets, but they're not getting receptions. Their dynasty value is decreasing by the week as they sit on your bench. So the value there. Uh, is especially better consolidated and or moved into picks as a more liquid currency that you can then use to acquire assets later again in the season. So consolidation is one option, one route. Consolidation is taking those eight wide receivers and, you know, packaging up a few of them to kind of tear up and to get into a better wide receiver a better asset or it doesn't have to be a wide receiver obviously you can uh, use this to shore up across positions but consolidation means you're no longer making multiple bets right you're not betting on you know these three wide receivers that i think are good that i think are wide receiver threes in the league uh, but they're on my bench to start the season those three wide receivers are all individual bets, right? They're all individual bets that you're making that they're not going to lose value. If you can consolidate that, move those three wide receivers into two other players, one player, whatever you can do, you're consolidating that bet. And hopefully you're making a better bet with one player than you can make with three players. Like even if you just think about this in terms of percentages, what's the percentage that you're right on any player bet that this player is at least not going to lose dynasty value? Uh, maybe uh, if you're really good at evaluating talent and everything and evaluating situation, maybe let's say for argument's sake, you have a 70% chance of being correct uh, on any given player, that they're a good player to be rostering um, on, to be having on your roster in September. Even if you have if you have a lot of hubris and you think that you're a 70% evaluator and that uh, you have a really good chance that all of these players are going to be uh, at least as good in the dynasty market or better uh, after the first two weeks, four weeks, six weeks of the season, even if you believe that you're still making a 70% bet, then another 70% bet, and then another 70% bet. And what you can do, um, obviously you have to multiply those out, the chances of you actually hitting on all three bets is obviously much smaller than the chance of you hitting on a single bet. So what you want to do there is to consolidate into um, two players from three players, two players into one player, whatever the whatever the equation is there, but to consolidate and to make less bets essentially. And so then you only have to be right once instead of three times. And then that obviously is a better way to safeguard your value Hopefully that player that you made the bet on, obviously it's a little uh, more risky in that um, it's not diversified. And so um, if that one player does, you know, their 30% comes true and they do decrease in value, then that's the only player uh, that's making up that portion of value on your roster. You've turned the, the value of three players into a single person, into a single player. And if they do, you know, fail to increase, if they do decrease in dynasty value, then that might hurt a little more because you have more invested in that single player, but you're making less bets overall. And 
on the whole, in the long run, we would expect that to perform better. So that's one way to do it. And then obviously the other way is to move into future picks, uh, future draft picks, future firsts, future seconds, especially where you're moving that value into the future, but you know that you can use that, uh, those picks as currency to acquire production if you end up needing it. So, um, yeah, any wide receiver three on your team that you can move for a future second, like you're going to be able to use that second to acquire another wide receiver three if you know you have injuries or bye weeks come and you need to, uh, yeah, just fill a roster spot for a week and keep things going that way. That future second is a really safe currency that pretty much everyone in your league is going to be interested in. There are very few managers that are not interested in a future second at any point, right? So that's a great place to move your dynasty value of your roster is to move it into future picks because there's always going to be a market for it. And especially if you're trying to buy production later on these stacked teams, which is probably what you're going to be trying to do as you move towards the playoffs and move towards winning a championship, hopefully, is these rebuilding teams that are looking to sell off their producing but aging assets are looking for these seconds, are looking for these firsts to use uh, to uh, you know, kickstart their rebuild. So you having those assets ready to go makes you a really uh, valuable trade partner for those teams that are looking to move off. And if you're the only contending team that has those assets available, then you become uh, a very, very desirable trade partner. And you actually end up having a bit of a corner on the market in that sense. Basically, the the rebuilding teams are all going to look at you and see first and see that you're contending and say, I want to talk to that guy first because I want the future picks. I don't want to, you know, try to just broker some deal where I get, you know, one year younger at wide receiver with this deal with this guy and this other team that has already traded their future first and seconds and has nothing to really offer me in terms of picks. They're going to be coming to you and, probably you can end up in a lot of places getting into a little bit of a bidding war where you actually hold a lot of the power, the buying power, where you have the desirable asset in the future picks and multiple teams are interested in acquiring those future picks for their producing players right now. So that's a really good place. Um, Honestly, probably the first place you should look for uh, in most cases is to try to move your excess players um, this this time of year in the off season, but also any time really before uh, September hits. You should be looking to move your excess players into rookie picks wherever possible. Um, I'm personally okay with moving off for future picks, uh, and by future picks I should say second, like two years out picks as well. Um, Generally, you can get good deals on those. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But um, basically, any kind of future pick is going to be an asset that's going to be desirable to teams that are rebuilding, and you can use it to acquire production very, very easily later on. So what's interesting about this, right, is the current landscape where running backs have become so incredibly devalued, at least relative to previous years, and especially in the offseason where no one wants to pay up for a running back until, you know, we get through 
training camp and um, we don't have any injuries through training camp and we feel a little bit more certain about the role they're going to have. Everyone right now is talking about how Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt are out there and they're just waiting to uh, crater some teams some teams dynasty or uh, some teams running back room and therefore crater the dynasty value of the running backs in that room. Um, Dalvin Cook, uh, obviously another one that it'll be very interesting to see where he goes. And to some extent, uh, that's true. And so generally running backs are not going to be the easiest asset to move this time of season. So if you have, you know, if you have, four terrific running backs all you know high-end running back twos all the way up into running back ones um in terms of like redraft rankings or something like that if you have those kind of running backs but no one wants them because you know they're 25 plus and so that makes them unattractive for most uh, dynasty managers these days then you're probably better off holding until you get to the season and then you can identify some competing teams or teams that are looking to, you know, push all in in September, which is a mistake in my eyes. But if they're looking to make that move, then maybe you can trade them to basically your competition in other contending teams and kind of de-risk your roster in that way. And that's really what we're looking to do, right, is to de-risk the roster at all points. So right now I'm content taking a little bit of that, you know, potential injury risk for a running back that they have that injury in training camp. I'm content to take that on because basically every time September runs around, people realize that they need fantasy points to win uh, fantasy football matchups. And there will be a little bit better of a market for your running backs at that point. So I'd be holding on uh, to most running backs, especially those, you know, 25 plus, 26, 27 year old running backs. And just waiting uh, at least until, you know, late August where people are starting to look at the rosters and being like, okay, yeah, uh, I need to fill out this this starting lineup for week one. And so I need to go out and I need to get an RB2 or I need to get an RB1 for this roster to really push it over the edge. And that'll carry me throughout the entire season all the way to the championship. There are always people in your dynasty leagues that are thinking like this. It's a big mistake, but you can take advantage of people thinking that way. And so in general, um, definitely I would say, like, by all means, send out trade offers involving your running backs to de-risk your roster now. By all means, go ahead and do that. But in general, I think that a lot of people uh, at this time of year are devaluing running backs especially and are not really looking to acquire them. So you might need to wait until August rolls around and people are starting to take a look at those starting lineups and think about where they might need a running back. The one thing I would say uh, kind of as a corollary to this is when you're in the season as a contending team, if you find yourself in a situation where you have excess running backs, especially um, if you have excess running backs, really what you need, and especially in leagues, again, where you have no trade deadline, um, which is a format that I ascribe to and I encourage everyone to move their leagues, their dynasty leagues towards not having a trade deadline. Um, That's a topic for another day, but uh, in cases where that's possible, trading running backs, especially aging running backs to contending teams, uh, especially later in the season, is a really great way to kind of prepare your roster for the offseason. It's really counterintuitive on contending teams, on stack teams where you're like, uh, don't I need my running backs to contend this year? Um, you know, what if I get an injury next week and uh, I need that running back? 
those are all possibilities but uh the honestly the potential for you to win the championship in any given year even if you make the playoffs with a bye is not all that high there's still like a less than 50 percent chance even if you're the top team in the league you crushed everybody all year you're going in as the number one seed you get a first week bye you only have to win two matchups to win the whole thing even in those circumstances your likelihood to actually take home the championship is still dependent on some very very random weekly outcomes um We'd like to think that, you know, we have this perfect roster and nothing could possibly go wrong with it. But the fact is that for either of those two weeks, something definitely could go very wrong with all your players. It's happened to many, many people. If you've played this game for any length of time, you know that everyone has a story about that incredible roster that, you know, somebody went out in the first quarter. Uh, their star player went out in the first quarter and didn't return for the game, and so they got a zero in that spot. And a couple of their other players just had bad games, and suddenly that totally stacked roster that was a guarantee to win the whole thing uh, doesn't make it out of the uh, quarterfinals, so or the semifinals, I guess, if you got the bye. But basically what I'm saying is don't be so sure that you have the championship team every single time and be willing to look ahead uh, and think about the dynasty value of your roster beyond the season that you're in and be willing to somewhat counterintuitively trade out of those running backs, especially, I, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, if you only have three running backs that are usable to trade your third running back, that might be a little bit excessive. But on a lot of contending teams, you'll have run into, you know, some good variants. If you're, um, if you're following us here at JWB, you know, maybe you have the Isaiah Pacheco uh, situation where he basically was an add-on for free, fourth round, maybe you picked him up off waivers after your rookie drafts uh, last year, uh, somebody like that. And it doesn't matter who the player is, obviously, uh, there's going to be a few of these players. If you're in a position where it's not just three running backs, but you have four or five, definitely, I think you can make an argument where the fourth or the fifth running backs are expendable assets for you, especially if they're not making your starting roster at the current time. And you should think about which one of those is most likely to crater in value immediately following the conclusion of the fantasy season, and maybe think about moving off that player uh, before that happens and to kind of preserve or de-risk your roster's fantasy value, uh, dynasty value, in season, basically. So think about that if you're in that position at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, we're nowhere near that yet, but something to sock away in the back of your mind on these stacked teams. Stacked teams as well, in my opinion, should definitely be investing in two elite quarterbacks. Uh, if you don't already have two elite quarterbacks, then you should definitely be thinking about investing in one. Um Basically, these are the safest assets that we have, and I'll go through a little bit of a, a ranking of what the safest assets are in my mind, where the best places are to um, hold value in a dynasty roster to carry value year to year. But these elite quarterbacks are definitely um, 
about as untouchable as it comes when it comes to elite value even if they lose some value year to year you know they have a down year and they lose some value there you're not talking about giving up tons and tons of value and you're not talking about losing a first plus of dynasty value in most cases you're talking about losing uh you know a second of dynasty value from year to year but you know after the next year it might go right back up so very very safe um assets overall are uh, the elite quarterbacks so if you are one of these stack teams if you are one of these teams that has eight solid wide receivers that has five solid running backs uh, that has you know two of the top three tight ends in the league something along those lines if you are one of those teams then you should definitely in my opinion be investing in at least two elite quarterbacks those are some of the safest places to park your money or your a dynasty value as it were definitely you should be thinking about doing that um, I guess what I can get into now is kind of thinking about these assets what the best assets are to hold and carry value in your dynasty roster especially in the offseason as we're in now so I've talked about elite quarterbacks but I actually think the best place to carry value at basically any time but especially in the off season where you know there's news all the time something could come out injury could happen anything can happen to any given player that causes their dynasty value to diminish somewhat obviously some are more safe than others um, more um, yeah safeguarded than others in terms of their dynasty value but the only thing that really doesn't have that kind of news-based variants are uh, future picks so first round picks in particular uh, second round picks uh, it varies league to league they're basically good currency in season to acquire production that's their best use in my mind is good currency for acquiring production in season but first round picks are a terrific spot to park your dynasty value and uh, I do want to get on my soapbox a little bit for picks that are two years out. So, you know, we obviously have the 2024 first round picks that are next year, but the 2025 first round picks for the year following, these are picks that are oftentimes in my mind criminally undervalued, especially on these stack teams where you're looking you're looking at this roster and you're thinking, I have a lot of value. I have excess value. I don't need this value to contend this year to put myself probably even in a buy position uh, in my league to have as basically as good a shot as statistically possible at taking home this thing. What I want to do is to safeguard this value and to preserve it for my future dynasty roster. 2025 firsts right now are a terrific place to put this. Oftentimes, they're coming criminally undervalued by their current managers. They think that, you know, come 2025, they are going to have the best team whatsoever. It's always going to be the 112 in their mind. But lots happens. Nobody's that good that they can't predict year to year what that uh, first is going to look like. If you get really lucky, you know, it turns into that 101. It turns into the 103, 104. It turns into uh, another elite quarterback, maybe, for your roster down the road. They're, those are definite possibilities, and they're often criminally undervalued. 2025 first, often valued, you know, somewhere right now in between 
uh, somewhere around 22024 20, seconds in between 22024 20, seconds and a 2024 20, first is usually about what you'll find the value for a 2025 20, first right now it's a really really good asset to be inquiring about to be trying to acquire especially with those wide receiver threes if somebody's looking to plug a hole in their lineup with a high-end rb2 or with a wide receiver three uh, that has a little bit of buzz right now then these 2025 20, firsts are really really good especially on these stack teams that we're talking about really really good way to carry value to insulate yourself for future years there's still assets that can be used in season they become a little bit more uh, a little bit more tangible once you get into the 2023 season and people are like okay yeah so we've got 2024 you know maybe they can't find those 2024 picks that this rebuilding team is looking to acquire so they see that you have excess 2025 picks and they're coming to you for those 2025 picks um, that can be another way to use them even in this upcoming season in season to gain some production if you need it but all that to say this is often a really good um, asset to acquire currently any first that's two years out right now 2025 first people will talk about uh, the time value of money. So this is a concept that basically says that um, future money is worth less than current money. Money in the bank uh, is worth less than money that will be in your bank in two years, essentially. Um, that is a true concept. It's like mathematically true in terms of finance. It is not a concept that I believe is true in dynasty fantasy football and the reason is that we are so incredibly inefficient in using our currency in dynasty um, as i talked about with these individual player bets that we're constantly making with our dynasty rosters like even at the best of times we're making uh, a 70 percent bet that a player is going to be good this upcoming season and that they won't lose dynasty value um, this is the kind of currency that we're dealing with, right, is dynasty value. Dynasty value yo-yos up and down and around constantly um, for many, many players, almost every player that's not an elite level player. And so I really reject the notion that there's some sort of time value of money that we're um, should be ascribing to 2025 first. I really don't think that's applicable when you have a currency that we're so inefficient at using already. Um, so in my mind, it's just such a major W to park dynasty value in these two year out first that are absolutely guaranteed to gain value uh, between now and then. Even if that's a 112 in 2025, it's still going to be worth more than than it is right now. You're guaranteeing value. You're also giving yourself a chance at a really, really huge payout down the road. If that first turns into that 101, 103, whatever the case may be, if it turns into a high-end first, then you get a huge payout, huge return on your investment, and you're looking at having traded a wide receiver three for whoever the QB1 in uh, the 2025 draft turns out to be or whoever the wide receiver one in 2025 turns out to be. These are really good bets to make. Um, the, the dynasty value is not going anywhere and there's also a bonus chance that it turns into a massive massive win for your overall dynasty roster and dynasty value as a whole so uh, get off my soapbox but 2025 first absolutely something you should be looking to acquire on those stack teams especially uh, in this off season the second tier i guess i would say is those elite quarterbacks that i'm talking about definitely you should be thinking about 
parking value in elite quarterbacks, especially on stacked teams. The scarcity of these elites is far bigger than most dynasty players realize. Uh, and the value over replacement of the elites versus the kind of run-of-the-mill quarterback twos that we get every single year. And I will say that quarterback twos emerge yearly. You can acquire them mid-season for seconds, a couple of seconds in a lot of places. Uh, whoever, you know, the, the person on the good offense is that year that is having a little bit of a breakout, but people still kind of don't believe it. You can go out and you can get that quarterback um, for a couple of seconds almost every year. It's very similar to acquiring RB2s, which we talk about a lot. One of the easiest things to acquire every single year is an RB2 uh, down the stretch for a second uh, in a lot of places. Very similar with these quarterbacks uh, for a couple seconds. Uh, you can buy yourself you know, that QB16 production if you need it. But the difference between that QB16 and some of these, you know, say, or arbitrary, say QB10s or higher, is that the QB10s really do separate in terms of their production and in terms of sustaining dynasty value year to year. So that's why the elite quarterbacks are worth, uh, quote-unquote, overpaying for and why you have to. Um, I think that, honestly, in a lot of cases, the probably not the absolute elite tier of um, quarterbacks, the guys that you know everybody's going to be drafting first, second, third overall in your dynasty startups, your super flex startups. Definitely those guys are probably you're going to have to overpay very significantly for them. But the guys behind that, the kind of second tier of the elite quarterbacks, a lot of those guys you can actually find a deal for. You just have to find the right manager in your league at the right time and find you know that player on your roster or that combination of picks on your roster that they're interested in. And you can park some value into elite quarterbacks. You can gain that production. You can gain a very safe asset overall. So definitely elite quarterbacks would be the second safest uh, asset in my mind to park dynasty value, especially on stacked teams. The third spot, uh, third tier, I guess you would say, are well-regarded rookie wide receivers. Uh, outside of, you know, absolutely true face plant seasons where they don't get any routes, they don't uh, get any snaps, they don't get any targets. Outside of true face plant situations, they really do hold value. You can see this across a number of years. Um, players who honestly barely got on the field and still have a ton of dynasty value this season. Um, there are lots of examples you can draw from this past season, the season before, but in general, uh, one of the safest bets you can make is these rookie wide receivers because if they have a great season, then they improve their value overall. They improve from, you know, whatever it is, a first value to a first plus a second uh, next offseason. Um, but even if they are not great, then there's still going to be those people who had that evaluation of that player, uh, that previous season, and they thought he was great. They didn't get him. You got him uh, for whatever reason in your rookie draft or by trade. But they're still in on that player, even though their first season wasn't as terrific as we would have hoped. And so you can probably get out for almost exactly what you paid for on the way in. And so basically, it's a, it's a case where the floor is not that bad, um, but there's actually some ceiling as well. And so well-regarded rookie wide receivers are a really good place to park value on these stack teams as well. 
And then the fourth uh, spot that you can look at is the elite and also young wide receivers. I Even when we get to this spot, I start to have major caveats. They have to be truly elite, uh, otherwise uh, they will potentially lose significant value after one bad year for whatever reason, you know quarterback gets hurt and suddenly the backup can't cut it and suddenly the offense is dead and they can't produce anymore whatever the case may be if they're not truly elite and viewed as such by the dynasty market then there is the potential that they could drop off significantly in value Um, and in a lot of cases you won't get these uh, truly elite tier players unless you get unless you're willing to come through with an overpay so unless they're already on your roster and you're just thinking about you know yeah okay this is a good player to keep on this roster and to keep um my dynasty value in um, it's usually um not a great place to invest in uh, but you can definitely go kick tires if you know you've already kicked tires on the first round picks on the elite quarterbacks on the well-regarded rookie wide receivers if you can't find those at good value and then definitely you can think about the elite and young wide receivers as a tier. And that's definitely a, a, a very possible and very usable situation where you can get into some of those players and park some of that excess value that otherwise would have been on your bench or otherwise would have been associated across multiple players. And you could have seen some destruction of value in that way. Once you get beyond that tier, uh, then honestly, uh, everything starts to feel the same in terms of the safety, in terms of, um, yeah, how easily you can carry that value and not lose that value once you get into the season. Uh, a lot of things will happen. A lot of things do happen every every year in the first couple of weeks, and people's values change. They, Like I said, they may not change uh, on the website. The dynasty rankings may not change, but in terms of the trades that you're actually able to get done, they absolutely will change after the first couple weeks of the season. And so really, I think the focus here is to try to think actively like even if you disagree with what i'm saying here in terms of you know what the safest assets are if you disagree that 2025 first are a little bit of a cheat code in terms of saving value on stack teams if you disagree with any of that at least do yourself the favor of thinking about how you're carrying the value on your dynasty roster currently and how safe those assets truly are um you know each individual player's situation is different some players have uh, a lot more safety in their situation than others you know the quality of the backups behind them could this running back supplant this running back these kinds of things how likely are they to be that team that uh, signs one of these running backs these veteran running backs that are out there so all these things uh, you can take into consideration. You can think about where the value on your roster is currently being carried, and you can think about what you can do to safeguard that value through this offseason to get yourself into the season and to make better evaluations with more data. Once we have those first two weeks of the season uh, under our belts and we have more data, then you can make better decisions um, with your roster, with more liquid currency, You can decide more on the direction of that roster for that year. You can do all these things without sacrificing a ton of dynasty value. All right, folks, that is going to be it. 
if you like this, if you like anything that JWB is putting out, make sure that you go and follow at JWB underscore FF to catch up with all of our content. Please do subscribe and hit like on this video. Subscribing uh, is the best thing that you can do, uh, honestly, for JWB to help us grow this channel. Uh, if you're interested in, you know, the Dynasty rankings sheet with the um, values for the players that I was talking about, you can go check out the JWB Patreon, and it's available through there. As for myself, you can catch up with me at NathanGN if you want to talk more about this topic. Uh, as you can tell, I'm very interested in the theory of these sorts of things. And if you disagree, um, by all means, come hit me up. I'd love to have a discussion. Maybe you've got a viewpoint that I haven't considered here, and I'd love to hear about it. Uh, but that's going to be it for me, folks. Have a good one. Much love.